The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. It's good to see you. And uh, we continue our study in Corinthians today, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to look at just a few verses, verses 18 through verse 23. So turn in your Bibles if you brought it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 23. So, do you remember what's been going on in Corinthians? Do you remember what the problem has been in the church? What has been the main problem that Paul has been railing against over and over with uh, what's going on in these, this gathering in Corinth? Anybody want to give it a shout out what the uh, main problem has been? He's repeated it several times. Stop doing what? Come on, it's okay if we're not quite. There's like several words you could choose, so I won't, I won't embarrass you when I say how terrible that answer is. I won't do that to you. What was it? Yeah, following Apollos, right? So they're saying, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Paul, I'm with Cephas. So, so what's underneath that? What was that called? What? Discord, right. And so the root problem of this discord, this division, this strife, this jealousy was the, Paul, the word that Paul keeps using over and over is boasting. He said, quit boasting. You're boasting in yourselves. You're boasting in these individuals. Quit boasting. If there's going to be any boasting, it needs to be boasting in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 1, 12, uh, he says they are boasting in their teachers. Each one, of them, each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, 29, Paul says... I'm saying all this so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, again, just a few verses later, verse 31, he says, So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So clearly, prideful boasting is a big problem going on in Corinth. And then today in our verse 21, chapter 3, verse 21, we're going to see He says it again, so let no one boast in men. And so the root problem going on or the big issue that Paul's dealing with in this church that, remember, he stammered in weak and tired into this city. All he did was proclaim Christ and Christ alone and Christ and him crucified. And God did a great work, saved people, gathered them together, called them out that's what ecclesia, I mean, that's what uh, the, the very word church means is the called out ones. And so they are called out of the world to Christ and they have gathered together. And then Paul moved on to Ephesus and then Chloe brought word, Chloe and her friends. And we remember talking about them, that they're not happy with Chloe. Chloe's ratted them out, that there's some problems going on in the church at Corinth. And we see a lot of the problems have to do with this idea of boasting, boasting in humans, boasting in men and women, boasting in this man-centered attention, saying, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Cephas, and this causing a big problem in the church. And Paul says, this is a big deal. You don't mess with the unity of the church, because this is supposed to be an alternative to the world. We're supposed to be radically different than the world. That when you come in here and experience the people of this church, it should be very naturally different. It should be a place of unity where people from all diverse backgrounds, all differences come together and are unified 
not uniform, but unified in Christ. And so there should be this unity and love, but instead there's this self-exalting, man-exalting, prideful, human boasting. And so today Paul kind of goes underneath that as he wraps up this chapter 3, kind of a lot of what he says is nothing new. It's a lot of stuff that we've seen in the chapters leading up to chapter 3. But what Paul does today, he kind of goes underneath and kind of gets at what, what is the anatomy of this boasting. What's going on? What's leading to this boasting? What's the root cause of this boasting? And what's the remedy for that boasting? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, just take a deeper look at what is underneath the boasting. It's a, it's a very... Uh, it's a very interesting few verses, very challenging few verses to try to understand. But I think we're going to start to understand what, what leads to boasting. And then we're going to see God's response to that. And it's kind of interesting. It's surprising to, to find the way God addresses that and says, this is how I can fix this boasting that goes on in the church. So let me ask the Lord to teach us this morning and do a work in our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would uh, take the words that you have preserved for us in scriptures and your sacred scriptures for us. I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would, would work in our hearts, that you would uh, address uh, anything in our hearts that needs to be addressed, that you would address them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that, that our, our needs would be met in Christ so that we would not boast and create divisions within the church so that you could get the glory that you deserve and that this place would be uh, the place that is a, a beautiful place of unity and love and glory to God and that people would come from the community and find something radically different in this community uh, where people are truly loving each other with the way that you've loved us. So Lord, bring that about in our hearts this morning as we study these passages. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so very fascinating verses, very thought-provoking, but I think what Paul is saying in these verses is that the root problem with boasting is that the boaster, the, the arrogant one who boasts, is operating under or according to a faulty standard. So that's what we're going to do. Look, we're going to look at first at the faulty standard, then later we'll look at the faithful standard. Let's, let's see if you can kind of see where I'm getting this as we work through the verses. Look, look at chapter 3, verse 18, the faulty standard. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Reason for, basis for the wisdom of this world is folly to God. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For, again, reason or basis for this claim, it is written in the scriptures, quote, he catches the wise with their craftiness. And again, it's written in the scriptures, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. All right, so let's drill down. Pause there. Let's drill down in this and see where I'm getting this idea of their problem is they're operating according to a faulty standard of measure, like, a, like the ruler is bad. The scale is off. It begins in verse 18 where Paul says, 
that they are deceiving themselves. And that's very interesting because a lot of times the problems going on in a church, the letters that the apostles write, are saying, hey, you've got wolves coming in from the outside coming in to deceive you. That's not the case here. The case here is not problems with outsiders coming in. The case here is all up in their head. It's all up in their minds. They are deceiving themselves. Isn't that oftentimes our worst enemy is inside our own minds and our own thoughts or the Bible oftentimes refers to it as our own hearts. And in our vernacular, we would say the psychology of it. And so he says in verse 18, let no one individual within the body, these pronouns are important, that the individual within the, the body of the church, let not one of you deceive himself or herself. So Paul is saying that the, the prideful, humanistic boasting that is uh, resulting in this division and problem within the church is a self-deception problem. It's a thinking problem. It's an internal issue. There's something going on inside people's hearts and minds, inside the church, that is deceptive. And whatever's going on inside their hearts and minds of these different individuals is the fruit of their thinking is producing boasting, pride, arrogance in such a way that it's deceptive. Another way of saying that is they're delusional. That their thought processes are skewed and so they are not concluding the right conclusions. And so Paul's dealing with our private, internal, psychological, heart, mind, thought processes, whichever phrase you want to use. Paul's going inside of us and saying the problem with the boasting going on in the church in Corinth is is an internal problem, not an external problem. Notice that he says, uh, if anyone among you thinks, there's that idea of thinking. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in his own mind, however he or she is processing the data and comes to the conclusion, I'm wise. He says that he is thinking according to the, the, the wisdom or the logic or the standard of measure of this age. In fact, some translations say where it says that he is, thinks he is wise in this age. He thinks he is wise according to the standard of this age. And so the boasting problem is an internal thinking problem. And more particularly, it's related to one's internal standard of measure. He says the problem with the boasters is they think they are wise in this age, according to the standard of this age, and the problem is they're coming to a faulty conclusion. They're using the wrong standard of measure. In other words, arrogant boasters within the church are delusional. Their rulers are off. Their scales are off. I never will forget when, I guess it was 12 or 13 years ago, that I was the self-contracted our house. I was the contractor on building our home, and we went to a draftsman, to uh, try to save money instead of going to an architect. No offense if you're an architect, but we were cheap and trying to save as much money as we could. 
And we got through all this process. It's such an exciting time where, where he's asking you, well, what do you want here? My wife's just got all these great ideas, and my opinion didn't matter. But we had it all figured out. And so we're putting all the plans in place on, the, on paper. And then I get a phone call at the very end of this very long process of, of mapping out how you're going to build your, your, your home. And, and the draftsman calls me and says, hey, man, I'm sorry, but we got a big problem. And I said, what's that? He said, the house doesn't fit on the lot. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? I was like, you gave us the plans. We bought a plans off the shelf and just tweaked it. And I said, you knew our lot. He goes, I made a big mistake. He said, the lot was drawn to one scale and the house was drawn to another scale. And when I brought them together, the house doesn't fit. And I'm like, bro, you're killing me. And so we were delusional. I mean, he's like, yeah, you got room for that. You got room for that. But the problem is we were using the wrong scale the whole time. If you're using the wrong scale, you're going to be delusional. You're going to think that it's all going to be fine when it's not. You're going to come to faulty conclusions. And that's exactly what Paul says is going on in the hearts and minds of these individuals in Corinth. He says, y'all are delusional. You're just self-deceptive. Your standard of measure is wrong. You're using the standard measure of this age. And so what is the standard of the age? What is the wisdom of this age? We've been talking about this a lot as we've worked through Paul's chapters, but let's just talk about two aspects of it. The first we've seen is it's very... This age, this world, this, this people of, of the culture that the Corinthians have bought into are very man-centered or, or people-centered. It, it's very all about what a person can accomplish. We said it's me, myself, and I. It's the God of self. It's what a person can accomplish. It's very self-assured, self-reliant. And, and he says this is the wrong standard of measure when you use a... A, a human standard, a secular humanistic standard of measure, you're going to be delusional. You're going to think that you are doing well. You're going to think that you're building the church. You're going to think that you are getting wise when actually it doesn't work. You're delusional. You're actually not wise. Another aspect, uh, in addition to this idea of very humanistic, is this idea of time, this, the, the measure of this age. It's a very limited perspective. It's very short-sighted that the time horizon is not being accounted for. It's not an eternal standard. It's a very temporal standard. And, and that radically affects conclusions. In investments, when you're researching investments and you're saying, what would be a good portfolio, what investment should I consider, you look at the time horizon. If you just looked at an investment performance over the last year, you might conclude something radically different than if you looked at it over the last 32 years. And you say, oh my gosh, I would never invest in that because I see how that performed in this down year or in that up year or you have to have a proper time horizon. And the problem with the wisdom of this age is it doesn't have the proper time horizon. It thinks it's all about now. It's all about what this life has to offer. Any good is measured by 
I have a few short years. I've got to get all I can and can all I get. I've got to make sure that I get what's mine. I've got to get my due. I've got to get my recognition. I've got to get my money, my power, my accomplishments. I'm running out of time. And that has a drastic effect on one's decisions and how one builds their life and with the conclusions that they draw. And so they're using a, 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 a short-sighted standard of measure. It's man-centered, secular, self-assured, short-sighted, this-world-only time frame standard of measure. And as a result, they're delusional. They, they think that what they're doing is good. I'm with Paul. I'm with Apollos. I'm with Cephas. And Paul says, listen, y'all are deceiving yourselves. This is not how you build the church. And so using their short-term humanistic standards, they've deceived themselves, concluding in their minds that they are wise when actually they're not wise. Look what he says going on in verse 18. Notice you can tell they're operating on two complete different standards. He says, let him, Paul says, let him who, let him become a fool that he may become wise. When he says, let him become a fool, he's saying, let him become a fool according to the world's standards that he may become wise according to God's standards. And then he explains, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. So there it is. The standard of measure is not only wrong, but it's, but it's diametrically opposed to God's standard. It, progress in the world standard will lead actually to foolishness in God's standard. They're diametrically opposed. They, they have deceived themselves. They are delusional because they're operating according to the world's standards. Have you ever been so turned around? Unfortunately, I have a terrible sense of direction. In my manness, I, would, I don't like to admit that because I know we're supposed to be the guys that actually know where we're going. Well, it's not. It's my wife. Every time we're pulling out, I'm like, baby, which way do I go, left or right? I mean, I can figure it out. But I just don't know which one's going to get there quicker. There's something about my brain that it's like all floating around and I can't figure it out. I have been turned around sometimes, so turned around, thinking I know exactly where I'm going. And when I finally pop out into something I recognize, I'm like, oh my word. This is not at all where I thought I was going. Is that anyone? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Hey, there's another guy. Thank you, Andrew. I see that hand. Come forward. Let's pray. I mean... It's just a weird, dis, disorienting feeling. And the corn maze is coming up, right? And the kids all want to go to the corn maze. I went to the corn maze. That place is freaky, especially for, especially for a guy like me. You get up in the corn maze, and you're like, okay, I have a hard time knowing where I'm going when I'm not being deceived. But now I'm up in here with these corn mazes, and I'm getting scared. People are jumping out at me, and I'm like, okay, I got to focus. I got to get out of this place. I'm starting to freak out. And I think I know where I'm going, and I'm like, okay, I've been down this. I see the guy on the tower. I know exactly where I'm going. But I'm delusional. I get down to the end, and I'm like, nope, once again, another dead end. Paul's saying, you are delusional. You think that you are leading the church in the right direction. You think you are acting wisely you think you are building the church when actually you are tearing it down because you're operating according to the wrong standard of measure so what standard of measure are we supposed to use god's standard 
right? God's standard is the proper scale. God's standard is revealed in the word of God. You see, there's two realities. Well, there's actually only one reality. Everything else is a delusion that has been skewed by sin. And so for us to know what is real, we don't simply look with our eyes and with science and with the senses that we've been given, but there is a more true reality that has not been perverted by sin, and that is eternal. And the only way to know those things, those realities, are revealed by the Word of God and given understanding by the Spirit of God. And when we start to understand what the Word of God reveals, what is true north, what is up, what is down, what is wise, what is right, what is wrong, only then, when we're operating according to God's standard of measure, can we actually be wise. Can we actually build the church and build our lives on the foundation of God's wisdom. We see this when Paul in verse 19, he goes to make his argument to, to show you the basis of his comment when he said in verse 18, the wisdom of this world is folly with God. How do you know that, Paul? He says in verse 19b, for it is written. He goes to the word of God. He goes to the standard of measure and he says, it has been revealed in the scriptures and then he quotes from Job 5.13, an Old Testament passage, when he says, God catches the wise in their craftiness or in their wisdom. God snares like a hunter. He uses their own wisdom against them. He's so wise, his wisdom is so superior that he knows what they're doing. And in their simple, supposed wisdom, He catches them in their own wisdom. And so God's wisdom is a superior wisdom. Again, he quotes from the Old Testament. This time, he's quoting Psalm 94, verse 11, where he says, and again, quote, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, the supposed wise. He knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. They are futile. So the wisdom or the wise according to the standard of this world, their wisdom is futile. And that's where I really wrestled this week. What does that mean, they're futile? Futile for what? Well, we know the chief end of man is to glorify God. The chief end of the church is to glorify God. And we would understand that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, as Piper has made famous, that we, when we find our greatest treasure in Christ, then we show how glorious he is in that. And so what we see is the wisdom of this world is futile in revealing the glory of God in the church. It's futile. You build your life according to the wisdom of this world, and there will be no glory to God. It's futile. In fact, secular, humanistic, man-centered, short-sighted approaches that focus only on this age will always conclude that it is both good and necessary to exalt oneself. I don't have time. I'm not living for the future. I'm not living with an eternal perspective. I'm living for the here and now. And so I'm going to conclude to exalt myself. To get all I can in this life. To never admit weakness. 
to fight for my rights, to get what I think I deserve. And Paul is saying that standard of measure will never result in the glory of God. It's futile. All it will result in is self-exaltation. It'll only result in glorifying and boasting in self or other people. And he says it's futile. It's destructive. It's not building the church. It's not building anything good. It's not going to glorify God. It will only glorify man and actually destroy the church. And based on where Paul goes in the next verses... And the way he wraps this section up, I believe Paul also means something that is more internal, more psychological, if you will, something about the heart of, of humanity that he says human wisdom is futile for addressing a very specific issue that goes on in our hearts and in our minds. And I think that is this idea of insecurity. I think every one of us has deep abiding insecurities. Not just the surface level insecurities that I don't like the way I look or I don't, I'm not confident about the way I do this or that. But I'm talking about including that. But even beyond that, deep abiding insecurities of our soul as a result of the sin. There is something in our souls that is broken and that it desperately is insecure. And we're constantly tempted to grasp and to find something to meet those insecurities. And Paul is saying, secular, self-centered, humanistic, time-limited, nearsighted, short-sighted philosophies and, and processes and, world, and wisdom of this world will never satisfy those insecurities. You know it's the most insecure people that boast the most. I mean, that's the way it usually is. I mean, some of them are just have an inflated sense of ego that just is nauseating. But a lot of times, it's just another problem. It's the fact that there is a deep insecurity that they're trying to overcome. And we see this on the surface level many times. I don't feel as good as them. And so I'm going to make sure that they understand Let's make sure you think more highly about me. And it results in this nauseating, annoying boasting. But there's something much deeper. There's, there's, this, there's this frailty of our soul that, that wants to build up the human nature to overcome the brokenness of sin in our hearts. And Paul is saying it's futile. That the way you're going about addressing the heart problem of sin will never fix it. It will never satisfy it. It can only be satisfied if you operate according to a faithful standard. And so we've looked at the faulty standard. Now we're going to look at a more faithful standard. And we see this in verses 21 through 23. He says, so let no one boast in men. And here it is. Stop boasting. Why? For all Things are yours. Wow. Wait a minute, what? Stop boasting like you're all that. Why? Because you have everything. What? Is that not like, wait, that's not where I would have gone with that. I would have thought the logical response would be, stop boasting because none of it's yours anyway. Right? 
And he says, stop boasting because it's all yours. And then he goes on to explain, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present, the things in this present or the future, it's all yours. So stop boasting. That that is so fascinating. What are you doing, Paul? Wouldn't this feed pride and feed boasting? Not yet. Not if we keep reading. It's all yours. And you are Christ. And Christ is God's. It's like, imagine... I'm sorry for the stereotypes, but just imagine... Some young, insecure, trying to start his way out in life, standing in the middle of Southern Trace, riddled with insecurities, but trying to be as good as his neighbors. He's standing on the front porch. He's called everybody from the neighborhood. Y'all come. I got a big announcement to make. And he points to this big old house. He says, that's mine. Woo, that's a nice house, isn't it? And they're like, really? That's why you called us here? He's like, I mean, look at it. And he goes in every detail. He's just boasting. He's just nauseating. And it's like, golly, man, dude, get over yourself. And everybody in there wants to say, really? And then one wise old man in my parable has the beard down to here because he's wise. And he looks like that dude on Lord of the Rings or whatever. And he walks up and he puts his hand on his shoulder. Look, these young guys are laughing because he does. I don't know the name of the guy. But any Waldorf or something? <laughs> No, that's Waldo and Andar. That's it. Okay. Andoff. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan's my fact checker. So, <clears throat> so this wise old man walks up to this insecure, braggadocious, boasting guy, and he says, Brother, you don't need to boast. Why? He says, Look at all these houses. Look at them all. Look at the, the lake. It's beautiful. Look at the golf course. It's unbelievably gorgeous. Son, all this is yours. Wait, what are, you, what are you talking about? Your father owned it all, and he left it all to you. This is all yours. All of a sudden, this guy has nothing to prove. He owns it all. It changes the perspective, and... and the reason he doesn't boast and going, yeah, look at that, because everyone would know. But the only reason it's all yours is because you earned it the hard way. You chose to be born to the right dad. Obviously, you had nothing to do with this. What are you going to boast about? So the, the wisdom of Paul, the wisdom of God is he addresses the deep underlying insecurities so that we don't have to boast, so that we can rest, but he does it in a way that we can't take credit for it because it's all yours. Everything yours is yours, but it's all yours because and only because you are in Christ and you can't take credit for being in Christ God graciously, as we saw at the beginning of these texts, God made us a people by his grace 
to the praise of his grace. So you don't have to brag, you don't have to boast, you don't have to self-exalt. You have everything in Christ. All the temporal things which feed our insecurities are fulfilled in Christ. Our desire for a leader, a teacher, a guide, someone who will provide for all of our needs, giving us direction. They're fulfilled in Christ. Not in Paul, not in Apollos, not in Cephas, not in any pastor, no community group leader, no human can fulfill that deep need that we have only Christ but in Christ you have that leader you have that provider you have that one so many times a husband provides a sense of security for a spouse and that's a gift from God but that spouse must understand ultimately Christ is their provider and then they're in a proper place to appreciate provision from a spouse So many times a spouse looks for ego or strokes from their wife to feel good about themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, my sense of identity must not be found in my wife's view of me, but in Christ's view of me. Our insecurities regarding the matters of this life, job, money, clothes, can only be satisfied by Christ who says, I provide all all your needs. Our insecurities about death. Notice he says the world, life, death, present, future. Our insecurities about death can only be satisfied in Christ who defeated death. Those who are in Christ by faith in his blood for the forgiveness of sin know for a fact because Christ rose from the grave that we have victory over death. Our insecurities about the future are only settled and satisfied in Christ who is sovereign over the future and holds our future in his hands. So instead of boasting in self, boasting in other people, we only have one reason to boast, and that's to boast in Christ. Because Christ bought all of it for us, for God. So, to the extent that we grasp what we have in Christ, that we have all, everything in Christ, to that extent we will not boast in self. So we need to grasp that reality. Romans 8, 28 through 32, Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work according to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what God is doing for his children. In verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What do we need? What do we have to prove? Why would we have to exalt selves? Why would we need to boast? God is for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. The gospel changes everything. We must measure life by God's eternal standard, not by this merely worldly temporal standard. When Christ returns, the world that was lost because of sin will be recreated and given to the saints. 
the bodies that were destroyed because of sin will be recreated and given to the saints. All that was lost because of sin has been redeemed because God sent his son. And that's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of father you have. Loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to pay the price for your sins, to fix that broken part of our soul that is insecure. He secures us and says, All the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are yours in Christ. The gospel changes everything. We must learn to view every part of life through the gospel. And when we find our insecurities met in Christ, this gospel reality that is the actual faithful standard of measure in Christ, then we will find that we are in a proper place to build this church Humbly, when you have everything, you can give away. You can be radically generous. When you have everything in Christ and your life is secure, you can lay your life down for others. When you have been accepted by the king, the creator of the universe, you don't need approval from others. If you're given authority in the church or anywhere, you can, you can say, I as a leader am here to serve you. The world says leaders say, serve me. God's leaders say, I'm here to serve you. That's why Paul says, why are you boasting in Paul, Apollos, and Cephas? They belong to you, church. They are your servants. Why would you boast in them? They are your servants. You see the logic of the gospel. There's no need to boast. It's all yours. Why? By the grace of God. He's the perfect, perfect heavenly father who loves you and provides for everything you'll ever need. Father God, I pray that that reality, that gospel reality, that your spirit will apply that truth to our hearts addressing the insecurities in our heart that we might be set free. Free from self-reliance, self-assurance, free from self-exaltation, boasting in self or boasting in others. But Lord, may we boast only in the Lord Because in Christ, we have been given everything. What a gracious, glorious God you are. What a gracious, loving, heavenly Father you are for giving us, though we don't deserve it. We were not noble, we were not strong, we were not powerful. And yet you chose to bless us with all things in Christ Jesus, your son. And so we sing to your praise and your glory. We boast in you and you alone. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. 
For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.